yeah, the, the evidence-based community, um, although most people will kind of say that it's more difficult, because um, again, like you're cutting out um, what is, you know, really being quite a large food group um, for for the sport especially. Um, but as long as you're meeting your macro, macronutrients and calories, like, you should be pretty good for it. Guys, that is Chris Tan, also known as The Shredded Cabbage on Instagram. Today we're having an awesome chat about vegan bodybuilding, about his history with eating disorders, about vegan activism, and a whole lot of information on how to build muscle on a vegan diet. Sit back, relax, grab a protein shake, and welcome to the first episode of the Vegan Body Coach Podcast. You are listening to the Vegan Body Coach Podcast, all about optimizing your strength, fitness, and physique through a plant-focused diet. My name is Jackson Burton, and I'm a nutrition and training coach for vegans, the plant-centric, and plant-curious. I'm sitting down with athletes, experts, and influencers around the world to inspire you to create your best vegan body yet. Alrighty, Chris, so welcome to the Vegan Body Coach Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you, especially for the first episode. This is going to be a really good chat about all things training, nutrition, bodybuilding, and your vegan journey awesome. as well. Yeah. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for um, thanks for having me on the show. Awesome, brother. Yeah. Let's get straight into it. Cool. So I just want to have a quick chat, dude, about just a little bit of an intro about yourself, about you know where you come from, uh, what you do you know, in terms of your vocation, and just a little few things about what you like to do in your spare time. Cool. Um, yeah, so um, I'm Chris. Um, I was born in New Zealand. My parents are from Malaysia. Um, and at the moment, I'm living out in uh, Westmere. So lived kind of pretty central my whole life. Um, and I work as a personal trainer in the Ponsonby area. Um, in my spare time, like honestly, like I'm doing quite a lot of training. Um, I, I love the bodybuilding and kind of powerlifting side of things, um, just the strength side. And that's pretty much what i'll do in my spare time yeah awesome man. <laughs> awesome so let's wind it back a little bit man i want to have a quick chat about sort of your transition to veganism so obviously you are a vegan at the moment yeah yep so let's have a little chat about that transition so when did you first hear about veganism or like what veganism was or you know that first sort of um idea about it yeah so um I, i'm not sure like the first time i would have heard about it um like i'm, I'm sure it would have been like there like it would have existed you know in the earlier kind of years of my life um but the first time i was kind of exposed to it in my like uh circle of influence um would have been in university um probably around like 2015 uh 2016 um yeah just one of the girls who um my group of friends kind of hung out with was vegan um and at the time like i was I I would say like I was a bit of like a meathead kind of a gym goer, so having like chicken, brown rice, broccoli, yeah, um, and just like yeah, like just eating a lot of chicken breast, really, yeah. Um, and so I didn't really understand it. I I was like, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of um, weird to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then one day I kind of just decided to ask about it, and um, yeah, but like I didn't even really consider at that time that. It was something about the animals. I, I just thought like they didn't want to eat meat for for some sort of reason. But then as soon as you kind of mentioned like, oh, you know, it's it's about the animals. I was like, oh, you know, like that actually makes sense. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. So it was influenced from someone else that sort yeah. of originally sparked the idea of doing it for yourself. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think some of the reasons were initially that actually sort of convinced you to give it a go? Um, was it specifically around the animal side of things? Because when you did have that discussion with her, you know, she was she discussing mainly animal ethics? Yeah, so she yeah, she was discussing uh, animal ethics. Okay. Um and so I think at this at that time as well though I, I didn't I didn't quite understand it like she wasn't um yeah, she wasn't pushy in any way like and, and just kind of just mentioned that that was her reason for doing it. And then this would probably be another year later honestly before I before I tried it again um or before I kind of tried it at all. Um but kind of over the um over the kind of earlier years of my life still now actually um like I was quite overweight in high school um and I do have like tendencies um to like binge eat and to like um yeah just not not a great relationship with food Mm -hmm. and so actually like kind of let's say it's like on day one that I went plant-based um the main reason I did it was actually so that I'd have less choice less options when i went to eat out and kind of like i was like this might be good to kind of limit my binge eating and stuff like that if i kind of like just label myself um as a certain thing and don't give myself the option of eating all those other things um and so that was kind of like when i was like i think i'm vegan now kind of thing and uh that was like day one on day two um Honestly, like I, I probably could have given up just then. I was like, nah, this isn't working. Um, it, yeah, like there's just too much food around. And I was just like, no, nah, I just want to go eat what they're eating kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I messaged her and was like, I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm craving meat. I'm craving all these things. Like, um, I don't think this is working for me. And she sent me a, a link to just a Facebook video. Um, I don't even know who the speaker was but it was kind of like one of those um cube of truth uh, or make the connection uh, kind of events and like yeah essentially he was just talking to um someone who had approached them and yeah i I just couldn't argue with anything he said wow and i was like like it wasn't about kind of limiting my binge eating anymore i was actually like no that's that's a good point um yeah. And then from that day two, essentially, um, I, I just cut out animal products completely. Wow. Um, I couldn't really justify cravings and stuff. Um, yeah, just for kind of like eating animals and all that. Um, and then I kind of like looked around more for vegan options and realized that there's actually like so much stuff anyway. Yeah. A lot of like vegan junk food anyway. So it doesn't really um, align with the limiting binge eating right, and stuff like right. that anyway yeah um but I, I think over the past year a few years anyway like i've developed a healthier relationship with food and stuff like that and um yeah and what what year was this bro um so that would have been the start of 2017 okay cool yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so not like crazy long ago and by that yeah. stage the kind of the vegan movement yeah. um had, well the you know the vegan options in terms of different foods is, is well and truly underway and there's a lot of options by that stage definitely yeah. um but what was really interesting about that is that it was sort of an initial like you know often people come into veganism or, or plant-based eating through someone just planting that initial seed yeah so your friend at university, you know, just having a little chat to you about it and you were just curious, yeah? Yeah. But then from there, 
you actually decided to dive into it from a very different perspective than most people. Yeah. And that was to try and limit your binge eating yeah. by limiting the amount of food you could actually eat. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was the number one sort of driving factor behind you initially trying it, yeah? Yeah, honestly. And, and like like I was saying, like that was on the verge of only lasting a day. Mm. By day two, I was yeah. pretty much like, no, nah, that's, that's a dumb reason. Yep. Um, it's not enough to kind of keep me doing this. Um, and then on that day too luckily i found a good reason or a reason that resonated more with um what essentially were my beliefs yeah. and so um yeah kind of haven't looked back since then yeah and that's a real essential point to bring up is that when someone does transition into a plant-based or vegan diet they need to know exactly why they're doing it and i discuss this with people all the time because without that solid why behind the 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 goal in mind whether it's losing body fat whether it's cutting out animal foods no matter what the goal is they have to know why they're doing it a lot of people that choose to go plant-based whether it's um a lot of the time when they're doing it for a health reason uh or possibly for maybe a performance reason or something like that often it's not a strong enough conviction whereas something going from maybe more of a animal ethics side of the uh, of the sort of table there often they will stick to it to a greater degree because yeah. it, it's more of a value-type-based system. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. So for you, did you grow up quite uh, in touch with kind of, hey, I'm, I'm a big animal lover, these types of things, or did you was that not really a big part of your, your um, childhood? Um, yeah, that, that wasn't really a big part of my childhood. Um, honestly, like, I don't think... I'm not an animal lover, I don't think, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really um, I haven't really had a pet or anything like that in the past. Um, but a big thing for me um, that actually, I, I guess, really hit home, um, like at the time that I, I transitioned as well, like I was going through quite a lot of like mental health issues. Um, I was diagnosed with um, cyclothymic disorder, which is kind of like a um, fluctuating mood disorder, similar to like bipolar um, disorder, but not as um, extreme. Um, but it's a bit more chronic from what I understand. Um, and like there were times in life where I get into a really dark place, um, wouldn't really appreciate what I had and almost had like suicidal thoughts at times as well. Yeah. Um, and I think when that video got sent to me, it was kind of like right time, right place that it was like, um, these animals, um, you know, like you hold a gun to its head and it, it cries, you mm. know, like they're trying to avoid pain. They're trying to avoid suffering and stuff like that. Like these are beings that at that time probably wanted to live more than I did. Um, and so like, it just didn't make sense to me that if they value their lives more than I do, then what right do I have um, to kind of take theirs? You know? Wow. Um, wow. And so that, I think that was why it meant so much to me at the time. Um, and yeah, like it, I'm in a much better place now. Um, but at the same time, like I'll, I'll never go back to kind of, um, that side of things while never intentionally, you know, just try to minimize as much harm as I possibly can. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool perspective to have on it. Yeah. Especially coming from that place of, yeah, having those mental health sort of troubles and that sort of video being the catalyst for change for you yeah yeah incredible and so since then you've actually sort of stepped up in terms of a little bit of more on the side of vegan veganism um activism yeah and and talk to me a little bit about the um 
not the cube of truth, but you're involved in another one. What yeah, was it, it was, called? Um, make the connection. Make the yeah. connection. Yeah, and I think uh, I love that sort of slogan because a lot of people who decide, um, well, a lot of people who aren't vegans or aren't plant based or haven't even sort of looked into or understand it, yeah. it is a case of just making that connection between what's on our plate and you know where does it come from, yeah. you know. And for myself, growing up, I. I'm, I'm pretty sure I always knew the connection. I knew where it came from yeah. because I grew up um, doing a bit of hunting, right? Mm, so I'd, okay. I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd actually be killing animals myself and often eating them. Yeah. So I had that connection of where it was coming from and, you know, knew what was involved with it. Um, but then I think the connection for me that really took place was the connection between what we were buying in, say, a supermarket and where specifically that nicely packaged meat has come from, 90% of the time it's from a factory farm and then finding out the ethics behind, you know, how animals are living and suffering throughout sort of factory farming practices. Yeah. Um, that connection for me was a big light bulb moment yeah. um, and just being, being, you know, being mindful and knowing that, you know, even in New Zealand, for example, where we are, where we're you know sort of toted as a clean green country and we have incredible farms where our animals are treated incredibly well when you do a little bit of digging a little bit of research you find out it's not always the case so with the make it make the connection um sort of movement you're a part of can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and, and what you do um yeah so a big thing for me with the make the connection thing um like personally i'm not super comfortable with kind of getting really in, in, in people's faces and stuff like that. Um, like, I do understand that the, the sooner we can get kind of um, the vegan movement out there and the, the faster um, people kind of come over to the side, like, the more benefit it's going to have. Um, but at the same time, I think for me, like, I went 20, 24 years of my life um, before I kind of um, made any kind of change. And... Like from working with clients and stuff like that, I kind of and and my own behaviors as as well. Um, I feel like um, actually there's a quote from um, a book uh, by Carnegie, um, "How to Win Friends and Influence People." Yeah, um, it's like a man convinced of an opinion not his own is still of the same opinion. Um, and I, I I think you know if you go to someone and tell them that their way of life is wrong, um, it, it's going to be met with conflict. Like yes, it may plant the seed and cause them to kind of look into it a bit further um but for me like with the mega connection stuff there um i kind of stand there just talk to passers-by who who um kind of look at the footage so we've got footage of um uh kind of like more like dogs and cats kind of playing around um but also like cows and pigs um which have been rescued and stuff like that um, and they're having a good life. And then on another screen, there's um, slaughterhouse footage. Mm. And so it's kind of the idea that, um, you know, this is the slaughterhouse footage is kind of the life that we're forcing o- on these animals. Um, whereas, you know, they could be living th- the same lives as kind of cats and dogs, which we which we really treat mm. really well in life kind of thing. Um, and yeah, people... Yeah, people stop to watch um, at that point, kind of talking to people, seeing how they feel about it um, is kind of my way of, of approaching them. Um, yeah, and I, I think inherently most people are against animal cruelty. Um, you know, no one wants to look at the slaughterhouse footage. No one really feels good watching it. 
Um, and so I feel like, yeah, again, like everyone's belief is that animal cruelty is wrong. Um, there's no real humane way to kill an animal. Um, and so it's just a matter of providing them with information mm. um, for them to make up their own mind about what they want to do. Yeah. And yeah. do you receive any negative responses from people in terms of you know people that are wanting to i mean there is a lot of footage on youtube and things from people like say earthling ed um joey carbstrong these types of people who are doing quite in in your face activism that often like evokes a lot of emotion from both sides um really interesting discussions they cover a lot of points do you ever find you run into people that are wanting to sort of you know back up their side a little strongly and they want to um you know maybe push back definitely okay yeah 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 um it's yeah it's, it's interesting i think um at a certain point in my life i could have been someone like that as well um just depending on i guess where i'm at in my life and no one really likes to be challenged um no one likes to be told that what they're doing is is wrong um and so I, I can see why people would kind of respond in that way. Um, most of the time, it's people who kind of are just walking by and kind of see it at, you know, at the surface and then just kind of like throw remarks out. Um, but then most of the time when people stop and kind of have a discussion. Um, having said that, some people do kind of, I guess, go there with the intent of... Um, yeah, really just backing up their side. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's pretty positive. Yeah, and I yeah. think that even if someone is going there to try and sort of push back a little bit and get a little bit more confrontational, yeah. even if they go away from that angry or, you know, yeah. um, you know, confused, they it, it, is a, it is a planted seed, right? And Definitely. I talk about that yeah. all the time is that even though they might not have, you know, they, became, they went in there with a, a bit of a negative mindset, it is just another plant to seed. Maybe six months down the track, they're going to meet another friend who has tried plant-based eating and maybe they've gone on it from a health perspective and yeah. seen it from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, maybe they meet a colleague and maybe they watch a little video. They're all little seeds that are all being planted. And eventually, you know, you can see a lot of people that you never thought would ever transition yeah. after a few years, after a few different interactions with the different people yeah. and seeing it from different angles. I think they can really still get to that same place. Um, but do you think what are some of the ways that you guys would actually go about uh, interacting with people when you know specifically that it is uh, questioning their beliefs or their actions and basically telling them they're doing something wrong? What what is it? What's a good way to go about doing that without actually uh, sort of angering people and getting them more hot under the collar? Yeah. So um, I guess the big thing for me is rather than like especially when you get uh, find cases like that, um, is rather than telling someone, you know, like your opinion, um, just asking them where they're, they're coming from, you know, ask open open questions, what and how questions are really good, um, you know, how do you feel about the slaughterhouse footage? Mm. Um, most people, I, I would like to think, would, would think it's pretty, you know, like not great to watch um you know and so yeah how does that make you feel um you know what would what do you think would i guess um minimize that kind of action in this world and it's not a point of like 
you know, are you doing this? You know, why are you doing this? It's a point of um, kind of asking them the questions that they come up with their own solution in their mind, you know. Um, and from there, again, ideally, like, the faster people kind of come over to the movement, the, the less harm there is. Um, but we we want kind of long-term change. We don't want to just kind of, like, scare someone to, to come over to this side and then somewhere down the line just because it didn't align with their values um, or their true beliefs um, or they didn't, you know, have that stronger reason then maybe a year later, six months later, they're, they're kind of back to where they were because um, things didn't work out for them. That kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so right. It's, it's encouraging more of a gradual gradual change and gradual process. And I think yeah. the big point there is, you know, it's never about trying to get someone to go 100% all in, although there are a lot of people due to their personalities, that would yeah. be the way they would do it. Definitely. But it's allowing them to change at their own pace. Yeah. Um, and like you said, any change in that direction is positive yeah 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 and yeah it's not that i'm like against um you know like other types of activism i think everything has its place and everything's going to appeal or you know like um i guess target a different kind of behavioral style more than others you know i just know that for me personally if someone got like real up in my face about something um i probably wouldn't take it too well Mm. um yeah yeah. yeah no i'm probably quite the same and i never saw one of these things early on you know i've never seen any of that stuff but the thing that really hit me hard in terms of you know wanting to change my diet and change my life is that footage right yeah so for me it was like if i had seen a cube of truth or you know i make the connection um crew out on the street and i actually yeah. watched the footage yeah. it would have hit me really hard yeah. and i most likely would have changed many things on the spot yeah. Um, so I think for a lot of people that is the same mm. and you know there are others that that's not the way that they should be you know uh, challenged with that there should be other other motives health reasons environmental reasons things like that yeah. but for myself that was the big change so I think for a lot of people the, the kind of activism you're doing is very valuable and it needs to happen yeah. um, but of course there are you know there's many people that are very against vegans as a whole because of the the perception they have of these you know aggressive yelling sign holding vegans outside slaughterhouses and things right and it's not always the best perspective um but if you can do it in a a loving way in a way that you know is not questioning someone's um uh, value as a person but it's just providing some more information and and a um a way of living that's maybe a little different, a little change. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really positive what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Good stuff, man. So you, you sort of said when you transition, you're eating yeah. a lot of chicken, brown yeah. rice, very bro bodybuilding style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. And, and when, were you in the fitness industry at that time? Um, not working or I guess part-time work to get through uni. Okay. Um, I was taking a few group classes at like a local gym. Um, at the time I was competing in like powerlifting. Um, so I'd write like a few powerlifting programs out for friends and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, nothing too, um, yeah, too permanent, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you, how long have you been training for in the gym, like with weights and things? Um, so I started lifting weights in about 2013. So about seven years now. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And, and was that sort of, as soon as you started training, was that, uh, sort of idea I want to get into the fitness industry as a profession right there in your mind or what did you what was the reason you actually started training um so at the time I was living overseas um 
so it, in high school actually I, I competed in boxing oh wow um and so that was like i started training in boxing because i was quite overweight growing up um, and i wanted to lose some weight um after training in boxing for a little while my coach was like oh you know do you want to try a few fights and stuff so i um competed had a few fights for a few years a couple of years and then when i started university um i essentially stopped training and so i hadn't really learned about like nutrition or training kind of energy output and energy input um and so kind of in my first year of uni i i gained probably about 15 kilos i think wow. yeah and yeah. um then after my first year of uni i ended up moving overseas for a couple of years and while i was over there um i kind of realized like oh like i'm i'm, I'm pretty overweight um and so i started uh, that was when i first kind of started lifting weights and stuff like that um started going for like runs in the morning and all that and started looking into different kind of diets and started yeah essentially started my weight loss journey there um and i think through my own training and lifting weights i, I just really loved it yeah cool so what was uh do you think the reason that initial 15 kilos came on when you went to uni um so like energy output definitely went down a lot I mean, okay. with, with boxing like it was um pretty much monday to saturday so six days of training per week um and i think that just like my appetite relative to how much exercise i was doing um so no matter what i ate i essentially just stayed about the same weight and so once i stopped exercising six days a week and just kind of became essentially sedentary um then eating similar amounts um yeah just weight packed on pretty quickly no absolutely i think that's a huge point to bring up is that a lot of people aren't aware of just that exact thing of majority of the population these days does have a sedentary job they're in the office they're sitting down in the car they're on the couch that's pretty much their whole day but they eat as if they are training for boxing you know what i mean they're eating far far too much for their energy expenditure um which is now why i run a gym right because people need a formal exercise in their daily routines um whereas this was not the case 50 years ago 60 years ago we didn't need gyms right people were active in their day-to-day jobs it's not the case now so we have to structure in some regular exercise and so you obviously at some stage got into personal training um when was that bro and and who are you working for and, and sort of what was that uh that uh journey like for you yeah, so, um, yeah, before the personal training side, I, I started taking group classes. It was actually with my um, old boxing coach's gym um, when I came back from, from the States. And then, um, yeah, I just trained with, like, my friends at, like, the uni gym and stuff like that. And oftentimes, like, I'd help them with their technique um, and powerlifting kind of movements. And I was like, you know, this, this is really enjoyable. Um, at the time, I was studying accounting Um, and commercial law and I was like I'm not sure whether I want to you know like whether at the end of uni is is that all that kind of waits for me a a nine-to-five job where I'm going to be um, sedentary and kind of yeah that side of things Um, and so I did a PT course um, worked at the uni gym for a little bit just doing like gym floor instruction kind of thing Um, and then at that point I was like um, I felt like personal training and, and fitness is something that I had the skill set for and the passion for and that was when I was like I'll try to make this a career you know I'll try to make um, my future out of this um, yeah 
That's super cool. Yeah. And so you, you started down that journey into personal training. And during that time, were you doing you know, some some pretty vigorous training for yourself? Like what kind of training were you into and what were your goals, you know, during that time? Yeah, so that would have been, like I started studying, like doing the PT course um, just after I stopped um, powerlifting actually. So I competed in powerlifting for about three years. And then um, I think because like I started lifting weights initially, you know, to improve my body composition, feel a bit more confident, lose the weight and kind of like the way that I look. Um, like a lot of my values are are tied up in the physical appearance side of things. And so although like powerlifting was something I, en- I enjoyed, like it taught me how to train, um, how to be strong and like the proper technique to do like the big compound lifts. Um, I think my values have always been tied up in like the more bodybuilding side of things mm. where it's about um, essentially just improving your physique and how you look. You're uh, really just focusing on your body composition. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. most people would relate to that. Most people are actually bodybuilding, whether they like to say it or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like bodybuilding as a sport, not specifically, but they are sculpting the body, right? Yeah. They're training to achieve some kind of body composition change and you know with the powerlifting side of things that's going to be happening but just on a lower level because the main goal is strength outcomes right so you're training the bench press the deadlift and the squat um and so the transition from powerlifting did you what was the reason you left powerlifting was it you know you got over the same three movements or did you get injuries or what was the case there um yeah a mix of things like i did get um luckily no like crazy big injuries um but i ended up with like a little bit of like lower back pain um a little bit of knee pain as well um and at its worst i guess it was like enough to kind of take me out of the gym for a while and at that point i was like you know like i love training um but when i was injured it was kind of like my lowest point like one of my lowest points because i couldn't train and I, I, I said to myself, like, this is something that I want to do for as long as I possibly can. And I think if I keep training that way, like, at some point or another, something's going to give out and I'm not going to be able to do it, you know, for the rest of my life. And so that was kind of like a, a bit of a wake up call for, for me that it may be something that I just need to change with my training. Um, at the same time as well, I think that again because my values were a lot to do with um kind of like how i looked and stuff like that like some i mean some powerlifters have incredible physiques um but for me i I guess i was in in the in the like mindset of powerlifting being like you train heavy you you eat a lot Um, and so um yeah it, it just didn't really align that well towards the end um with with I guess that value of improving my physique and Mm. so that was kind of where I um, just decided to to put powerlifting to the side a bit um, and just kind of shift more over to the bodybuilding hypertrophy side of things yeah cool and super interesting um, looking through your Instagram you actually have a pretty incredible uh, transformation on there so talk me through that journey like how long did it take for you to go from um, you looked quite heavy at the start, you know, and that might have been during your powerlifting days, and then you actually leaned out a fair bit, and there's a massive transformation there. So that was that was that a long term thing over months and years, or did you do sort of a short term cut to get down there? And what were some of the methods you used? Yeah, so um, I mean, like honestly, this kind of comes back to like the the binge eating episodes and stuff. Yeah. Um, I 
I would say like I, I do have a problem with like yo-yo dieting um, and like again like even as a trainer like I'm, I'm not perfect like this is something that I yeah just I can't really fix um, it's gotten a lot better over the years but I I would say there's probably like there, there are multiple times in my life where I've kind of like lost motivation and kind of gone back up to like close to kind of where I was. So in high school, like I was quite overweight um, when I stopped boxing. Um, yeah. And when I was boxing, I was pretty lean. Um, and then when I stopped boxing again, quite overweight. Um, and then I got quite lean again. And then multiple times through powerlifting as well. Like there were my, my lowest competition weight was probably about, uh, just over 60 kilos um, but then there were times when I was like oh I'm going to bulk up and compete in the under 74 kilo division and so you know like I would kind of get up to about 70 74 and then I would not like the way that I looked and so I'd cut back down and go back to my old uh, under 66 division and that that happened like probably three or four times in the three years that I was competing in powerlifting um, and again I think that's probably part of what contributed to me not really liking the sport you know there's nothing wrong with the sport but the way that i approached it mm. just wasn't i guess the healthiest mm. yeah um but then yeah so i think the like when i was boxing i was at 51 kilos and then before i start like after i moved overseas and stuff the heaviest i got was about 80 um so for someone who's my height you know going from 51 to to, to 80 and that was before i started lifting weights so that wasn't good weight yeah um yeah and then um after that i like the first cut that i did probably was probably took like on and off for about a year um got down to about 60 by the end of the first year that i was lifting and then from there like it's just been up and down a little bit um but I've noticed that over the years, it's kind of gone a little less extreme each time. Mm. Like I don't, um, I guess, bulk up as high as I would have in the past. And then as a result, like I'm a little closer to, I guess, what would be my leanest point every time. So right. yeah, yeah. kind of closer and closer, kind of maintaining. Um, yeah. And bodybuilding as a sport tends to have you go through these cut maintain bulk cycles naturally as a sport yeah. um so you know it might be that might be something we have to get you back on and chat about is the the mentality around binge eating yeah. in bodybuilding because it is very prevalent yeah. um and you know sort of the associations between super lean levels you know low body fat levels and then the you know the fixation on that and the inability to i guess you know, uh, slowly and methodically, you know, increase intake of calories again Definitely. and get back to more of a, a healthy level of, of body fat levels without the binging episodes that yeah. often do occur Definitely. and and then they continue um, and it becomes a very, you know, unhealthy way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. not not the best for progress either. Right. You know, like if, if you're, um, you know, if you have a, I guess an eight month long off season, but in the first kind of three weeks, you already get to a point where you're like, I want to cut down again because I don't like the way I look. Then it's kind of a waste of your off season. Whereas if you can kind of um, keep it a bit more manageable, 
um, as far as the body fat levels go and feel a bit better throughout that whole eight months. You know, that's a solid eight months of, of being in a good position to gain some good quality muscle. Yeah, and I think there's a massive point that it's really hard to, I, mean, I struggle with this myself as well as going into a gaining phase or a bulking phase yeah. and trying to stay too lean during that time, you know, because you come off a leaner period and you're not yeah. wanting to put on a whole bunch of body fat yeah. levels because it just doesn't look as good, right? Yeah. yeah. However, in order to gain substantial muscle tissue, there has to be a slight surplus there yeah. and with that comes body fat. It's just the yeah. nature of how it is. Yeah. Um, so for you, I think you're in a bit of a gaining phase right now, am I right? Yep. Okay, yeah. cool. So how long is that going to last and what kind of rate of weight gain do you look for and you know, do you, do you measure your body fat levels? Do you measure your weight during that time? What are you looking for in some of the and what are the sort of methods of, of gaining that weight? Yeah, so um, the length of time that it's going to be um, is kind of like at the moment I don't really have a solid idea. Um, like the initial plan was pretty much to gain until probably about July, um, June or July, and then start prepping for nationals in October from there. Um, as far as prepping for the comp goes, like if I feel like I haven't gained enough muscle mass to, to kind of really see um, a huge difference when I get on stage, I feel like the prep will essentially um, be a, a bit of a waste. You know, like if I haven't really gained enough muscle to justify doing another prep, um, then I may not compete this year and just essentially keep the gaining phase going for the entire year. Um, but as far as, again, it depends on how much weight I gain um, and I guess, in other words, like how fat I get yeah. um, at a certain point. And then, yeah, from there, it's, yeah, it's just um, when I feel like I need to cut down again hmm. um, or when it's going to benefit me most in the long term. Um, yeah. yeah. And as far as like, like calories and intake go, like I, I will kind of, um, track my macros and my calories, but a little bit more loosely than mm. when I was prepping. Um, but the idea is to kind of, um, just eat a little bit more than you would. Um, I, I go a lot of, a lot by how my strength is increasing in the gym, how my performance is going. Um, if I feel like I need, um, if I feel like I'm kind of like plateauing as far as gym performance goes, then I'll look at my food and kind of increase things a little bit more there. Yeah. Yeah. And are you monitoring your body weight during this time? Um, yes. It seems to fluctuate a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot more um, now than it would when I'm on prep, especially just because there's um, you know, a lot more food going in. Yes. Yeah. A lot more variation with the food. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I kind of try to just see it going like i don't really have a, a target um don't want to go too fast but again like don't want to go too slow either and so if i feel like it's been the same or around the same um for too long um, along with kind of like the strength and the performance in the gym kind of being at a standstill then i'll bring the food up a little bit yeah, so you're going yeah. to, you know, you're sort of following a little bit more by feel and seeing yeah. how your body responds and, and specifically measuring strength within the gym to know if you are, you know, because that's a, it's a decent measure. It's a decent measure of gains in muscle tissue um, by gaining strength within the gym. Yeah. And it might not be, hey, I'm trying to test my one rep max. Yeah. It's more a case of I'm actually trying to gain rep strength over uh, numerous sets. So if you're doing, you know, three sets of eight on a, 
incline dumbbell press and you're doing it with 30 kilograms, if you progress that same exercise of three sets to eight to 32 kilograms yeah. as like the next jump up, yeah. it's a good sign you've gained some muscle tissue. Yeah. And, you know, within the, you know, for, for beginner trainees, you know, it's going to be different because there's a whole lot of neurological adaptations to that exercise that they're learning the movement and getting better at it. Mm. But if you've been doing the movement for a long period of time, like yourself, if you're getting stronger in it, there's a large chance that you're actually gaining muscle tissue in it. Yeah. Um, but going back to, you know, you you know, deciding whether you actually compete in the show or not. Yeah. I think it's a big point to bring up is like whenever you are cutting, whenever you are dropping body fat, yeah. that is now a whole period of time that you're no longer improving. You're no longer increasing muscle tissue. You're no longer able to get towards the end goal, which I'm assuming for you is to to build as much muscle as possible yeah. and to build yeah. the, the best physique possible so you can compete on stage. Yeah. Um, and that's something I've had to sort of give myself a few uppercuts about sometimes to be like, Dude, if you cut, if you get lean, if you stay lean too long, yeah. you know, you're no longer moving towards your goal. Yeah, you might look good in photos on the beach and you might look good at certain times of the year, but if the end goal is getting bigger, you're no longer doing that. So it's a case of trying to, you know, maximize that that gaining time as much as possible yeah. and accepting the extra little bit of fluff that comes with it. Yeah, yeah, accepting the fluff. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, but yeah, again, like not kind of going too extreme that you kind of, like just hate the way you look absolutely you know like yeah um find the balance yeah yeah and and yeah. i've shown multiple times in, in research that the the faster rates of gain yes they add on more weight total yeah. but the ratio of what that weight is yeah. is skewed more towards fat mass as yeah. opposed to someone to go from more of a lean gaining approach yeah. they're going to gain less amount of weight but the percentage is going to be higher of muscle mass yeah to definitely fat mass. and and then with the lean gaining approach as well like if they gain less fat mass, that means they need to spend less time cutting as well. Absolutely. And so that's kind of like a, a double win. Yeah. You, know, you, you gain, um, you, you know, you might gain a little less muscle, but relative to it, you, you can probably hold on to it since you'll only be cutting for like eight weeks instead of 20. 100%. Yeah. Such a good point. And I think, yeah, it's a, it's a mindset that, I mean, the lean gain approach absolutely is the way to go. But, you know, there's still a lot of pushback from that in the industry, especially in the bro industry where people have still come away from the mentality of, say, the early 2000s muscle magazines where it's literally, hey, eat everything in sight, yeah. get huge, get swole, yeah. and then sort out the rest of it later. But for the majority of people, especially the people that probably listen to this podcast, yeah. you know, they might be training from anywhere from like one to five years in the gym. That's not an approach to use. You know, it's just going to equal excess fat mass and, you know, take a lot more time to get it off. Yeah. Um, for yourself, Chris, in the uh, within the bodybuilding industry, you've been, I don't know how many shows you've done, if you want to give us an idea of that, but uh, has it been, you know, it's not widely accepted that you can be a vegan and do bodybuilding and do it successfully and build, yeah. you know, enough muscle tissue to, to win shows or even place. Yeah. Um, have you had any pushback within the industry from like for being a vegan and being a bodybuilder? Um, I'm not too sure. Like, I, I guess there's always a bit of resistance. Um, my my coach was actually very accepting of it. Um, like when I when I went to him and he was like, "Oh, you know, like um, um, my my friend who who put me in touch with him was like, oh, she said you were vegan, um, but I, like I, I can work something out for you there." You know, like, um, I guess with the evidence-based coaches, like, it's, it's a lot more, um, yeah, it's a lot less surprising to them, 
that that it can be done. I guess there is kind of the um, like as you refer to it, kind of the bro the bro mindset, um, the misconception that like you know you eat, uh, I guess you you eat flesh to to gain you know uh, muscle mass and stuff like that. Um, but then when we look look into like kind of um, you know macronutrients and all that kind of stuff, um, we we just want to get the right amino acids in and plant foods you know you can definitely design a diet that's going to have all your essential amino acids um so yeah the the evidence-based community um although most people will kind of say that it's more difficult um because again like you're cutting out um what is you know really being quite a large food group um for for the sport especially um but as long as you're meeting your macronutrients and calories like you should be pretty good for it yeah yeah i mean that's the the biggest point to to bring up is that it's not specifically about certain kinds of foods we have to look at it from a broader perspective and go what do i need to build muscle tissue right i need resistance training number one so i need sufficient intensity volume frequency um but i need sufficient you know substrates to be able to supply the energy to be able to build that muscle tissue right yeah so we're looking at calories, we're looking at protein, carbohydrates and fats to ensure we're growing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it becomes very dogmatic when people just go, you need, you know, you need protein, but you need the protein from chicken or whatever. Yeah. It's a case of, well, where else do we get protein? There's protein in all plant sources. Mm-hmm. And if you get the right ones and you get a certain amount per day, yeah. there's no reason why you can't build muscle just yeah. as efficiently. Um, there are a few things to be, you know, a little more aware of and yeah. things to take note of and, you know, trying to combine maybe a few different protein sources and, and you know, in order to hit different things like yeah. uh, loosening threshold and yeah, things like that. Um, but, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about diet here, man. Um, you know, what would be, I guess we can we can cover that big question you've probably already been asked a hundred times since being vegan is where do you get your protein from? Yeah. Um, so, like a big thing for me, like I, I eat quite a lot of tofu. Um and then I guess there is kind of the big soy debate um, for like male health and stuff like that. Um, I, yeah, like I, I've looked at the evidence again. My interpretation of it is that um, the the phytoestrogens from the soy um, doesn't create a, a significant um, increase in hormonal levels of soy in males. Um, but again, I guess there is that misconception still, and so uh, like people i know kind of question um the protein intake from from like soy milk tofu and all that kind of stuff Uh, but i love tofu i I had it pretty much every meal when i was on prep um i find that it's like pretty high volume as well so it's actually quite filling um like there's a lot of moisture in there um yeah and yeah as long as you don't like dry bake it then it 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 fills you up definitely yeah yeah, um, now that's a really good tip is, is yeah. for someone wanting to reduce their total energy intake yeah. is increasing voluminous foods and tofu like you said is yeah. quite is quite a filling food to include it's high protein yeah. um, you're getting some good nutrients like iron and calcium yeah, from there as definitely. well so it's a really good source and I think with the soy debate yeah absolutely like you just said um, you know you ate tofu every meal on prep yeah. you know how long was prep? Oh first one was like 16 weeks the second one was about six weeks okay there you yeah go. so yeah. you know there's a there's a huge amount of time there of you eating a hell of a lot of tofu yeah. Yeah. um and then you step on stage and do you have man boobs no, no. right yeah. so 
most most people who do have the issue with soy is like, oh, it's gonna give me man boobs, yeah, right? Yeah. It's the biggest thing that comes up <laughs> all the time, and and I just said the same thing. I'm like, look, I've been having, you know, for for me now, it's probably been three years of having a, a higher intake of soy products, and I'll have at least a serving, possibly three servings per day of soy, um, and I've yet to experience any yeah. negative side effects from that. Yeah. And yes, you can look in the research and look at phytoestrogens and how they affect and how they, um, you know, how they do affect estrogen within the body. And, and you know, people need to realize that estrogen and phytoestrogen are very yeah. different, yeah. Um, and they they act differently within the body. So, um, yeah, you're walking proof that you know soy is not something to be avoided. And there's also a lot of research to support the um, the positive benefits on people's yeah. health as well yeah. when it relates to uh, cancer. Um, reduction and and you know and uh avoidance of things like prostate cancer and yeah. breast cancer so there's some good research out there i think it's just been marketed um probably you know there's probably a decent amount of uh evidence to say that the initial uh you know people's worries about soy uh, throughout the last 30 40 years is generally probably in relation to um the meat dairy egg industries mm marketing against it uh as, you know to yeah. to ensure that they're still getting sales of you know you know once they started releasing things like soy milk they don't want people to buy soy milk instead Definitely. of normal yeah. milk right so there is that um incentive from those companies to to market against soy um but yeah sorry man well i, I jumped in there yeah, and so you have a yeah. decent amount of soy there yeah which is yeah. cool and, and what are some other protein options for you um honestly like i'll have um well once my carbs kind of get a bit lower at the end of prep, like I, I won't have it as much, but like, um, I quite like Nutrigrain. Yeah. Um, it's actually a, a pretty high protein cereal. It's my jam, well. man. Yeah. Nutrigrain. <laughs> yeah, again, like Nutrigrain and some soy milk. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll like bump up. Like it is a high carb meal. Yes. Um, but it is also like pretty high protein as well. Yep. Um, and so that's kind of an option. Um, beans, legumes, that kind of stuff. Like, especially when um like I'll, I'll kind of pull back a bit on say rice and these carb sources that are a little bit lower in protein kind of sub in a little bit like green peas are a great one for me as well and it just bumps up the protein um you know like they're not they're not going to have as much of an impact on my daily protein as like the tofu will um but it, it's just an easy way to kind of bump things up um yeah grain breads as well yeah you know Good Dude, there's some yeah, there's some really good points there, and I think you know the carbohydrates are not to be feared, yeah. and they are definitely a great source of of a lot of them are a great source of protein, yeah. um, but of course energy and a lot of other nutrients involved yeah. there as well. But when you are dieting to lean levels like yourself to get on stage, I mean, do you have any idea of what body fat percentage you would step on stage at? Um, no, I'm I'm actually not too sure. Yeah, um, like I've done different like different um, methods different body composition yep. analyses and stuff like that like some will spit out like five percent yeah i don't think i was five percent mm -hmm. like i feel like i was a little bit above that yeah um but yeah anywhere from five to kind of i guess nine depend, yeah depending on what uh what that you use exactly yeah. and people yeah. have some pretty messed up ideas about what kind of percentage they are yeah but um yeah it's damn lean right so you're on stage at a very lean state yeah you need to reduce something to get to that point. So yeah. reducing carbohydrates is a very easy way to do that. Yeah. But then 
to ensure you still get that same amount of protein intake, yes, you may have to include more things like soy foods and then including those voluminous foods. Um, you know, like you said, peas and things like that would also help in, uh, in that area. Um, uh, to you know, to help you you know keep the volume up without the added carbohydrates, you know, for example. Uh, but then when you've got the carbohydrate allowance in your diet, say you're in a gaining phase, the things like legumes and um, those granny breads and things yeah. like that, they're actually really good yeah. sources of protein. Yeah. Um, you know, and one of one of my staples is just your you know your standard peanut butter sandwich, right? Yeah. I can yeah. get a twenty gram protein meal out of a peanut butter sandwich yeah. um, if I choose the right bread and right I choose bread, the yeah. right peanut butter. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's um, you've got some great options there. You know, when you're in a cutting phase, it's a little bit different. There's a few things you have to adjust, yeah. um, but it can be done and you're, you know, walking proof of that, eh? Yeah. Um, is there any other things you want to bring up on protein before we sort of carry on there, bro? Um, yeah, so as far as like protein shakes go, um, I mean, I was always like having protein shakes when I was eating meat anyway. Um, I think that's just something convenient as well. Um, so... That's another option for if you are well, especially in the the like the end of prep, when as we were talking about, you know, you don't have as many carbohydrates or fats to play with. Um, yeah, just kind of like adding in a shake um, post workout or first thing in the morning or before bed kind of thing can just be a, a good way to kind of bump up that protein without having a huge impact on those other macronutrients. Yeah, yeah, that's huge, man. Is is the, the shakes are a really good way to do that and you know for the general i talk to this uh but with clients all the time like hey for the general population who just want to look a little bit better drop a little bit of extra body fat they most likely if they're following a vegan diet won't have to include protein shakes because yeah. yeah. um, their requirement of protein is not going to be as high no. but if you're wanting to maximize lean muscle tissue in a gaining phase and then maximize muscle retention in a cutting phase having protein shakes is probably going to be, you know, one or two per day, possibly three sometimes. Yeah. It's going to be a, a really, really easy, cost-effective and tasty way of getting in a lot of ex- extra protein. Yeah. Um, and like we were chatting on, chatting about before we jumped on the podcast is that a lot of the vegan protein powders out there now are mimicking really well the amino acid profile of, say, yeah. whey protein. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, ones like we were chatting about the, uh, the prana protein, that's a really good option um, and you're currently taking a, a raw fusion yep. brand um, and there's so many out there there's so many coming out all the time but I would just suggest for listeners if you're looking into a vegan protein powder opt for one that at least has a pea and rice blend so we're looking for about 70% rice uh, sorry 70% pea protein yep. and a 30% rice protein and that's going to give you a really good amino acid profile it's sort of termed as the vegan whey um, so the vegan whey protein um, so yeah really good option in terms of getting a higher intake per day um, awesome brother so quickly before we wrap up here dude um, I'd love to ask you what is what would be like say two to three of your big tips you would give to someone who really does want to maximize building muscle in the gym um, you know maybe they've been training for you know like I said maybe one to five years in that sort of range um, they may have just gone vegan or are transitioning or slowly trying to reduce animal products. What would be your big tips for them, bro? Yeah, so big thing, um, I mean, big thing that helped me as far as like uh, maintaining performance and even improving performance after going vegan is that even when I was eating meat, I was tracking my calories and my macros. So I knew how much I needed to eat in order to feel good and in order to kind of 
gain weight, lose weight, maintain my weight, improve my performance, so on. Um, and so when I went vegan, um, it was a matter of just finding alternatives to hit those numbers. Um, I'll admit that like I wasn't very aware of um, what foods that I could eat for, for the first little while. Um, and so like I was having a lot of like beans, rice, veggies, that kind of stuff. Um, I think my fiber intake went from probably about like 25 grams when I was eating meat to maybe about 85, 90, Whoa, 90 grams yeah. a day. Um, oh, how are so, the guts? Like, oh, yeah. So I, I felt like really bloated in, yeah. that, in that first like week or yeah, in that first like week and a half to two weeks that I that I started eating like uh, plant-based foods. And so that's kind of like, um, but again, like when I would get full, I would be like, oh, I've only had like 1500 calories today. Um, I, I need to like chuck some things in to, um, to fill up the rest of that. And so that would be where I um, started to learn and started to see like which, I guess, snack foods and stuff um, were vegan and kind of just adding those in to bump up the calories. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I think if I had just been eating based on how full I was, like I, I would have lost a lot of weight mm. in that first little while that I was vegan. Um, yeah. Oh, that's great. So, so that's yeah, really like, good tip. Um, yeah, make sure you're getting enough calories is the big one. Yeah. Yep. Perfect, dude. I, I really like that one. It's, it's a common one. People will go vegan, start losing weight, um, generally because they've increased their fiber intake, yeah. you know, and fiber we know is one of the you know biggest satiating indicators. So it's going to keep you full in your meals. Yeah. Um, and it's also one of those reasons that a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm so bloated. And like, it's, you know, it feels messed up on my gut. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to go vegan anymore because it hurts my gut. A lot of the time they've just increased their pro, uh, sorry, their fiber intake so much to the point that they're getting some kind of bloating and things like that. Yeah. You have to allow time for your gut to adjust to that kind of levels of fiber. Yeah. Um, but most people are really fiber deficient. We need to yeah. be increasing that. And so having things like your rices and your beans and uh, you know, your vegetables and that is super important for people to include vegan or not. Yeah. Um, and most people are just eating far too many processed foods to get the fiber intake that we require. But yeah, great big tip there, man, is yeah, increase calorie intake so that you actually get enough food yeah. to build muscle tissue. Because yeah. without the energy coming in, there's no energy left over to build tissue. Yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. And the last last sort of question I have for you, Chris, is um, what would be your advice to the vegan community to do a better job of activism and spreading this vital message um i don't know man like i feel like i don't know i feel like i'm not really qualified to give any advice i think everyone's doing a good job um again like what we were talking about about the activism like different things are gonna hit home for different people um and i think that you know like holding up signs and stuff like that outside the walkworth rodeo for example um it's gotten a lot of coverage more people are aware of it um and although like yeah there have been some negative kind of um responses i think there's always going to be negative responses but um the awareness that we're getting is i know like it's just good anyway um and i feel like over the past few years especially like the movement's just growing like even faster and faster there there are more options like even even in the past like three years that i've been vegan the options have like they were already pretty good when i started but then they've just gone kind of crazy since then like um yeah so i think um 
everyone just stay positive mm. you know um stick to what you believe and do what you can awesome bro yeah good stuff and do you want to plug anything while you're here bro plug your gram and things like that oh yeah might as well yeah. um so you can find me on instagram um at shredded full stop cabbage um and same on facebook um those are pretty much my main social media that i use so if you want to ask any questions or get in touch around like bodybuilding coaching or training um just send me a message um yeah or even if you just want to ask for advice on um, how you can cut down meat consumption, stuff like that. I'd be yeah more than happy to kind of give you my um, <coughs> my little bit of advice on that. So, dude, yeah. that's awesome. I'll link all those in the in the show notes as well. Awesome. Um, one uh, one question I forgot to ask is where did you get the? How did you find the name Shreddy Cabbage? I love it. Yeah. So, um, like, I was essentially I was like, um, you know, bo- bodybuilding show. Like, I'm I'm gonna get lean. Like, yep. I'm gonna get shredded. And then I was like, I wonder if there are any like vegetables that are, like often served shredded. And so like, I was just like, oh, it could be shredded lettuce that was taken. Like, oh, uh, shredded yeah, carrots. Yeah. yeah, so I was just like shredded cabbage, dude. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. I love that name. You've got to maximize that, bro. Get some shirts done. I don't know, yeah. man. That's great. <laughs> All right, so that's it for today, guys. Um, epic little episode there with Chris. Um, we're actually gonna go get a training session, and now yeah. what are we gonna do, bro? Um. I think I told you pull day okay. essentially, but I'm actually going to do push day today. So. We're going to push day yeah, there. Yeah, okay. Push day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's just switch yeah, it up. Yeah, switch it up. <laughs> well, lucky I did predominantly legs yesterday, nice. so I should be relatively fresh to get it in. Um, and so we'll have some good content around the, uh, the training as well. Yeah. Solid, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, brother. Yeah. All right, so we did it. First episode in the bank. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you took away something that you're going to be able to use in your life, in your diet, in your training. Big thank you to Chris for coming out, getting a training session with me. I'm not going to bore you too much with any details. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, veganbody.coach and on the website, veganbody.coach. Best thing you can do right now is go and give us a review and a rating on iTunes. If we want to get this message out to more people, we need people like you rating us and giving us a thumbs up. So go do that and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.